Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Father, we do thank you that you answer prayer. And God, we, we are asking you more and more that you would continue to answer our prayers. We thank you for this this testimony of faith. God, you know I've been praying for faith testimonies. And Lord, I pray for many, many more testimonies. I pray for many more people in that basket to be blessed because we're praying for them here. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today is Father's Day. Um, and uh, uh, we've got family over, as, as we normally do on these types of occasions. And I think I've told you why we do that. As our, as our parents get older, we're partly trying to model something for our children in terms of, uh, as your parents get older, honour them, do stuff for them. Um, and uh, we're still working that one through with our girls. Um, uh, but, yeah, that's one of the reasons why we're doing it. So all the family coming over, Yasmin's down, and uh, uh, my in-laws are here, and uh, my dad will be coming over and various things. Um, and uh, we were doing a, a parenting uh, seminar yesterday, and I just thought, it wasn't, it wasn't because I just thought, oh, well, rather than prepare another message for Sunday, let me do this one, uh, which is one of the ways you could have looked at it. I, I, I just thought, it's Father's Day, I'm a father... You know, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband. Why don't I just speak on parenting? I don't always do that. Um, it's not necessarily something Paulie and I feel very confident about always uh, uh, to talk about. But, and you know, I've got my girls on the front row. So I've got to be very careful in terms of what, what I say. Anyway, um, so I'm just going to talk through some principles of parenting. So it's probably not a normal kind of talk that I would do. But I'm just going to talk through some principles of parenting. And to begin with, though, I want to talk about some, some motivations for me. Before I ever became a parent, even before I got married... Can we go to the next, the next slide? Even before I ever got... Even before Pauline and I ever married, I remember a number of things that have motivated me or that I've remembered. They're not necessarily all positive, but they have all, in some way, had a positive outcome. My parents were married for uh, 25 years and uh, they had uh, four children and we, we were all living there at home. And I was the last child to leave home. I wasn't the youngest. I've got a younger sister, um, but I was more of a homeboy. You know, I just used to hang out in, in the house. I suppose, you know, like Jacob used to hang around the tents. I was a bit like that. Um, I just used to hang out in the house and everyone else had gone off uh, to do their thing. And when I left home, I think it was within a year that uh, the marriage had broken down and they had gone their separate ways and my, and my dad had bought another house and stuff like that. And uh, I remember at the time, you know, you, even as an adult, because I was an adult at the time, it, those sorts of things impact you, they, they affect you. And I remember when Pauline and I were sort of dating and looking towards marriage and I realised, oh, my parents, in all those 25 years, uh, I think my dad had... F- focused a lot on work. Uh, My mum had focused on work and on the family, but they hadn't invested in the relationship, their relationship. And I remember saying to myself, 
I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get to 25 years and discover I don't know her. <laughs> and so um, I remember thinking that at that time. The second thing I remember was um, my parents worked really hard for us, and I have the utmost respect for my parents. I have a good relationship with my dad right now. I go and see him every time Pawnee goes out on a Monday. I go over to my dad, and we have lunch, and we chat, and everything like that. And when I'm with him, I'm, I'm son again at times. At times, I'm not. I say, Dad, I'm not 12. But there are times when I'm son again. I'm a, I'm a boy again. But I remember as we grew up, and my dad worked hard, yeah, and I suppose one of the things that, that in working hard he sacrificed really was a relationship with his kids, like an actual relationship. In some ways I've restored that with him, but he sacrificed that a bit. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sacrifice that. Now, if you were to talk to my girls, like particularly my youngest daughter, Daisy, she would say, Dad, I wish you had a bit. You know, you're all over me <laughs> relationally. You're always around me. Yeah. I go into her bedroom. I sit on her sofa. She's like, what do you want? You know, what do you want, Dad? You've overdone it. Yeah. But I remember thinking that. And then the third thing I remember very early on was uh, uh, Pauline bought me a Bible. Yeah. I don't know whether she, she knew I was... I had written her a letter when we were about 18, which she describes as the epistle. Yeah, I'd written an epistle to Pauline, and it was all my spiritual thoughts and how encouraged I was that she'd become a Christian the year before. And I wrote her this letter. It was a long letter, and uh, it was all about God and everything like that. And so I don't know whether, because of something like that, she bought me a Bible. And she bought me a Bible, and in the Bible she wrote, may the majority of learning in our lives come from God's word and had you known Pauline at that point those were surprising words for her to write (laughs) had you known her you'd have thought so I took it to heart I said God I'm going to hold on to that Pauline has written that you would be at the center but I took that to heart I genuinely took that to heart and so I found that that gave me every excuse to bring God's word in as, I, as we felt and as we went on in our married life. And I knew from then, those three experiences, that the key thing for me in my life was going to be around relationship. It was going to be about my relationship with God, my relationship with Pauline, and my relationship at that time to any children we may have had. We didn't know who they were. But that was going to be a key thing. I wanted relationship. And so I, I, I will give you this. So just, just, just forgive me because I was doing a, a seminar yesterday. I've defined parenting in this way. What we're trying to do is to create an environment in which as they grow, children find security, i.e. they generally feel safe and live without fear. They find significance, which means they have a sense of purpose, hope and meaning to their lives. And they have a sense of self-worth. They feel valued and good about who they are. That we want to create an environment where children learn to function and thrive in the 21st century. That, That I have to help them thrive today. There's no point in me raising my kids for in the same way that I was raised. Because I was raised to function you know, in the 80s, and that's not the same. It's not the same. 
And we also want to create an environment where our children know that their true significance, security and self-worth are found in God. The truth is your children may not all come through to faith. You can pray it and I, and I pray it and we believe it. But if they don't, that's, a God, that's between them and God. But you want them to know that. Real security comes through knowing God. You want them to know that. Even if they decide, well, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to go that way. You want your children, when they, when they leave you eventually, to know, oh, yeah, my parents taught me that, that my real security, my real self-worth and my real significance are found in knowing God. And so that's what we were trying to do. And, and Paulie and I have often talked about this, this image of of, um, you know, the process. I mean, I'm not a biologist um, or anything like that. But, you know, um, caterpillars turn into butterflies and all that type of stuff. You've got the story of the very hungry caterpillar. Um, but what happens when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly is it, it goes into this cocoon. And then in order for it to become a, a, a butterfly, it has this metamorphosis in the cocoon. And then it has to struggle to come out. Yeah, it's an absolute struggle for the caterpillar uh, to sort of come out of the cocoon and become a butterfly. Now, if you saw that happening, if you were privileged in a moment to see it happen, you thought, oh, I think I'll just go and help. Yeah, and you take a little scissors and you just start cutting the cocoon in order that it gives the caterpillar more of a chance to come out. The chances are, is that animal will die. Because the process that it goes through to come out is what strengthens it enough to be able to fly. It has to go through that process. And that's a little bit like our children. Our children have to go through the process of of growing up and experiencing stuff in order that they are strong enough to be able to survive. You can rescue your children too much. You can come too much and too quickly and too often. And and it doesn't even need to be your children. You can rescue your friends too much. You You can rescue people... You can make sure that they don't ever experience anything. Oh, I don't want them to experience all those nasty things. You can rescue them too much. And so we've had that sort of image of our children need to experience things in order to be able to function and thrive in the world that they're growing up in. And so we've just come up with, and in a way, these principles are things that Pauline and I have come up with together um, we've got this sort of overarching thought that comes out of Joshua 24 where it, it talks about, Joshua's talking to the people and he says to the people, look, I'm going to follow God. You, you need to decide where, who you're going to follow. Who's, who's your God? You need to decide that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's where we go. And uh, that's been a really helpful verse for me because I've realised that um, we, we have set our family up to serve God. That's how we've set it up. So, and, and it's, I shouldn't tell you this when they're here because it's one of our little trade secrets. Um, it's actually, if you don't want to follow that path in our family, you have to actually step out. Not, not step out and be rejected, but everything that we do, it's almost like the tide is going in this direction. And if you wanted to stop that, you'd have to, it would be harder to stop than it is to go along with it, if you know what I mean. Because we set the whole family up to serve God. When we came to Beacon and left King's, um, we told we told Yasmin first, and that was like a good decision, and she processed that. Then when the others got to hear it, they looked. The first thing that they did when Rihanna and Daisy heard we were moving is they looked at Yasmin, and Yasmin was like, "Yeah, whatever." And what that meant was it wasn't an issue, yeah. And I thought, "Oh, we did well there." 
we did well to tell Yasmin first because her reaction then determined their reaction. And uh, that was a really sort of, sort of helpful thing. And I remember when we moved into our new house and they'd left all their friends and all that type of stuff, I just sat them down. And this is the only time we don't have these big types of conversations. I said, oh, the reason we're here, girls, is because God's asked us to come. And that was it. No big discussion. No, then lots of explanation. I mean, we've chatted and supported them as much as we can. But that was it. I just wanted them to know this is where God's called us to come. And so, yeah, so these principles that I'm going to talk about have come out of this experience, this faith, this history, this background. So principle number one, I'll just go through these. If I can, I'm going to get Pauline up to talk about one of them because she did that yesterday. Um, But she's like, what do you want me to say? So we'll see when we get to there. The first principle is this. Parenting is a privilege. It's not a right. In Psalm 127, uh, verse 3, in the message version, it says, children are God's best gift. They're a gift. Sometimes we can think of children as something that we are entitled to have. There's an expectation that I will have Children, you know, we're going we're gonna to be travelling, then we're going to do stuff, and then we're going to have our kids, yeah? Oh, you know, if, if it happens. But that's how we often think about it. We plan to sort of start a family in, you know, June 2015 or whatever it is. We expect that to happen. And yet, and, and it is true that more couples probably have children than don't have children. Although, if we're honest, we all know couples and single people who've not had and may never have children themselves. So it isn't a right, it isn't an entitlement, it isn't the most natural thing. It's a natural thing, but actually it's a gift when it happens. And it's important for us to see it as a gift. Why is it so important to see parenting as a privilege and not a right? Why is it important to see it as a gift? First of all, If we see it as a gift, we will be forever grateful to God for our children, for that gift that that I've been given. And you'll be grateful to God, whatever they're like. Yeah. If I realise that children are a gift and not a right, I'm just grateful for the children. I'm not necessarily thinking to myself that, that God has to give me certain types of children who look in certain ways and, you know, these days you can get designer babies and all these types of things. That's not the point. The point is they're a gift. Secondly, if you realise that they are a gift and not a right, you won't compare your children. Yeah, if you just think about, you think about, you know, when you get a present, I mean, I'm sure as adults... Many of us are adults and we don't think like this. But if you get a present, you don't take your present. I don't get my Christmas present and go to Phil. What did you get at Christmas? I got, oh, you got a big thing. I got a small thing. I don't, that, you'd be thinking to yourself, that's very immature. I mean, yeah. But in the same way, you don't do that with gifts. You don't compare. I don't go to Pauline. I mean, Pauline sometimes comes to me with that, <laughs> that type of approach. But I don't necessarily go to her and say, look, what did you get? What did I, you don't do that. That, would be, that wouldn't be the way to do it. And that's not the way to do it with your children because your children are a gift. Yeah? So you don't compare them with other children. And it also helps not to, not to have those types of expectations when you have children because children 
can be, and having children can be a very deep physical and emotional experience. It can be. But we need to recognise that that experience remains subject to the deeper experience we have with God. That it's deeper. God is deeper. And we live in a world where because of medical advancement and social advancement, everyone feels they have a right to a child. But we want to live in a way where we recognise children are a gift. They're a privilege, not a right. Secondly, parenting is a responsibility. It's not an identity. Genesis 1.28 tells us, uh, be fruitful and increase in number. Go and multiply throughout the earth. God commands us to have children. Yeah? It wasn't like he says, you know, look, I've got this really special. No, he commands us to have children, that we were to go and to fill the earth. It's a responsibility. You read in the Bible of many, many stories in the Bible of people who, who God had even chosen before they were born, someone like Moses when he was very young, someone like Samson, someone like Jesus, and you realise that their parents were simply part of a process, that those children weren't theirs. Jesus didn't belong to Joseph and Mary. He belonged to God. Samson didn't belong to his parents. He belonged to God. And we sometimes need to have that mentality. My children don't belong to me. They belong to God. Why is it important that you recognise that your children are a responsibility and they're not an identity? Firstly, this. It's very possible as a parent to try and relive your life through your children. Whether it's mistakes or whatever it is, you can try and relive things through your own children. Secondly, when your children become part of your identity, you can put expectations on that child that are just unhelpful. You can load them with stuff that they can't cope with. And thirdly, you need to focus on them in that way because you can hide behind your children you can have a child you can hold a child a bit like say I hold my bag here let me just and I hold my bag and I come to Phil and I'm talking to Phil but I've got my child here Phil this is my child my child yeah you talk to me and my child my child was sleeping up I could do that and hide behind my children I mean Pauline admits that when we uh when she used to play the piano at church, and, and the moment she had a child, I remember her. Uh, I remember her thinking, "Hooray! I don't need to play anymore." <laughs> now I'm like, "What? How do those things connect?" And it was just that, "Oh, I've got a child now. I can, you know, how can I play? I've got, I've got, I've got things to do. I've got places to go. I've got people. I've got people to sort out." So we can find and put our identity in our children, and there are dangers when we do that. Because when you put your identity on your children and you've put stuff into your children that shouldn't be there, you can focus on your kids over and above other important relationships. And there can be a real danger in a marriage. Let's say you've got a little bit of tension in your marriage that one of you then just puts the focus into the child. Because this is a bit awkward. And so actually this loses out because of this. And in effect, that was a little bit of what my parents did, and that was the very thing I wasn't going to do. And so our girls know, because we've told them from day one, the most important relationship in this family circle is between myself and mum. 
And they're like, really? We're like, yeah. So we do most of the talking. We do most of the building. We do most of the organising of stuff. Why? Because we're trying to create an environment. And I don't want to end up in a situation where I'm putting into my children or trying to get out of my relationship with my children things I should be getting out of my relationship with my wife or with my relationship with God. So parenting, and that it helps us to understand that parenting is a responsibility, it's not an identity, in order that we don't end up going down that sort of road. Thirdly, third principle, parenting works in seasons. I'd be better if you cue me, because I don't really don't know. Okay, well, uh, my love, uh, yesterday you talked about... <laughs> that was yesterday. <laughs> um, when we talked about uh, parenting works in seasons, we, we talked about um, the season where you were, like, totally looking after the girls, and then yeah. the girls were getting to the point where they were a bit more independent, and going to secondary school, and you were thinking, what am I going to do? Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. I can't remember the point I was making. So if I talk, you can yeah, ask me questions I'll, I'll, I'll to get to the to point. The point. Um, <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? Um, yeah, uh, when the kids were little, I loved that. That was I've loved all the seasons, actually, to be honest. Um, but I definitely was fully immersed in that. I loved doing stuff with them, uh, to the point that I was always quite proud to to say I'd love to be a full-time mother. I didn't have an issue with that. Lots of my friends, you know, the thought of that horrified them when they were into their careers. And I, I personally didn't have that. My goal all the time I had was to be a stay-at-home mum. I never achieved it until Daisy for a few years, but that, that was my goal. And so I loved that season. I loved doing stuff with them um, uh, from right little to old. But actually there came a point, it was quite interesting for me, I'd spent all their childhood, <coughs> you know, wishing that I could be at home with them instead of working. But actually, when they were all at secondary school in the latter stages, I suddenly thought, oh, hmm, this is a different season. Actually, I, I don't really want to be at home without the kids. You know, the, my purpose for being at home, actually, had sort of gone. And um, and so we were fortunate enough that back then we would go to the Brighton Conference once a year for a week or five days and it was just a fantastic opportunity to um, have time to talk uninterrupted time and to have time because the kids stayed at home they were looked after by various people Monica and I think you had anything to say it was really uh, a real privilege we had to have time to talk and out of that um, we discussed my future and it was it's quite interesting because I remember it's a random thing to say, and this is not what I would advocate, but um, I remember saying, if I won a million pounds, would I be doing what I'm doing now? And the answer was no. And I remember thinking, well, why am I doing it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it. And so after our conversation, we talked about it. I gave up work, didn't have another job to go to, couldn't afford to give up work really in that sense, but felt prompted to do that, that I didn't want to be, didn't want to be bound to something just because of the money in that sense that I didn't enjoy. And God was great. He provided a, a job for me, literally, you know, one after the other. And uh, I went into that. Now I'm going to be at risk of waffling. No, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, there was a path, a progression to the job I'm in now, which is great. And God's been really gracious because I absolutely love my job. I, I don't often wake up not wanting to go to work, whereas that was a regular thing beforehand. 
Um, he's actually been gracious to give me something that I think oh, I could do for the rest of my working career, you know. Um. Thank you, my love. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the point being... That, that parenting works in seasons. And it's but it's, it's important for you to recognise that because you could end up coming to that place where, where Pauline was getting to, where what am I going to do now? Where, where's my life going to go? What am I going to do? And if you don't recognise that these things, that these seasons occur, you don't deal with the, the uncertainty of those moments very well. But if you recognise that they occur, you can deal with it better. The truth is we had those conversations probably a, quite a while before they actually happened. We saw what was, what was coming up. And I would say that we've done that a lot with, our, with, with parenting. We're in a season right now, a transitional season. Uh, Yasmin's left home and gone to uni. Rihanna's potentially going to be leaving in, in, in September. And we're going through a season. And so naturally, we're going through a process of letting our kids go. But we don't often think about that. So I'm just a bit like, oh, oh I'm feeling a bit funny. What am I feeling? Oh, I recognise where I'm at. And it really, it's really helpful to understand the season that you're in with your children. And it's really helpful because it, it helps you to manage expectations. Because when your kids are very young and you go through a season, and this can be particularly the case uh, for women, because when, when you have children and you're a woman, the adjustment is bigger than if you're a man, partly because you give birth to the child. Um, but also there's just a natural adjustment, which is bigger. And that season can appear restrictive and difficult when in actual fact it should be incredibly rewarding. But it can appear that. But if God has blessed you with a family, he's given you a new harvest field and a group of disciples. He's not abandoned you. But it can be life-changing. And so parenting works in season. Parenting... Fourthly, is about accepting personalities and shaping character. And I'll just say something briefly on this. We, uh, Pauline was ad adopted when she was a, a, a baby. And um, in her early 20s, we, we found her biological parents. And what, what we discovered was this difference between nature and nurture. As a person, Pauline was very like her biological parents. She's very out there. She was very loud and very sort of, sort of very confident, whereas... Whereas her parents who brought her up were, were much more respectful in the way they functioned and they, weren't, they, didn't, they didn't make all the big noise that was going on in other places. And we discovered that she was, when we met, initially met her biological mum and her biological father, that they were very similar in terms of their personality. Just very, very similar. But the character that Pauline had grown up with, that she had shaped her, was very different to what would have been had she grown up with them. And what that helped us with, that really helped us with our girls because we realised that sometimes children's personalities are, are things that you can't really change. They are what they are. And, and you can change their characters and you can shape them, but their personalities... And I, I'm, I'm going to give one example, and forgive me here, girls. Forgive me. <laughs> so... So it, 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 it really became re really obvious to us when it came to their bedrooms, yeah, our girls, that they were different. 
that they were really, really different. And in fact, we hadn't, and we didn't realise this was different, but, but Yasmin was much more comfortable when her bedroom was cosy and everything was around her. Yeah, all her clothes, everything was in the room. Whereas Rihanna was much more comfortable when everything was ordered and tidy and neat. And Daisy was much more comfortable, we've discovered, when she designed it all. And she sorted it all out and made it. And we realised that the fact that Yasmin liked things around her, and at one level you could say, you go around saying to your children, tidy your bedroom, please, tidy your bedroom. It wasn't an issue of laziness. It was just an issue of personality. That was just her personality. Uh, when Pauline used to, we used to sometimes, you know, occasionally we've decorated their bedrooms. When, when, when Pauline decorated Rihanna's room, Rihanna would be there in and out, oh, mummy, I like that. When she decorated Yasmin's room, she called Yasmin up and Yasmin came up to the room and Pauline had spent hours, she'd done this thing, she'd made the room, was, Yasmin says, oh, great, and she walked away. Yeah? Not because she wasn't grateful, but because she just didn't notice in that same way. And so we had to realise that, oh, sometimes children in their personality can respond in ways that you might think if it was a character issue, it's, it's like a negative. But actually it wasn't a negative. And we learned that through that whole process of, of, of Pauline's adoption. And so we began to, in that sense, work with the child that came before us rather than with what we thought a child should be like. <coughs> and that went on to our, the fifth principle, parenting is about the individual. Our kids have all been raised in the same environment, but they don't respond to that environment in the same way. And parenting requires you deal with the child in front of you, not the age, not the sex, not the so social, cultural expectation. That way you're more likely to raise your kids according to who they are and what they're like and not according to social or cultural norms. Girls like pink, boys like blue. Yeah. So that may or may, or may not be the case. And we discovered that what we did for Yasmin didn't always apply in the same way to Daisy or Rihanna. And I think that's really important when I think about fathers and fathers of girls. Because it's easy, and I've heard fathers do this, they disengage a bit from their girls because they think it's all pink. They think it's all dolls. They think it's all a bit out there and they can't quite relate to that. And actually, that's not how it is. You have to relate to the child that's before you. You don't relate according to some sort of social norm. And therefore, fathers, it's so important that you need to engage with your girls. I mean, we often hear about, I think I've mentioned this before, we often hear about the need for young men needing fathers and needing mentors and needing all that type of stuff and that's why guys get into gangs and all that type of stuff well the equivalent for girls is, is girls don't normally get into gangs but what they do what a lot of girls end up doing we all know, particularly in a place like Lambeth is teenage pregnancy is really high in a, in a city like London and part of that comes about because girls haven't learnt or been taught how to relate to men in a way that's respectful. Because they've not had men who have done that. So their only way of relating to men is when seeking attention and looking for stuff. They end up in abusive relationships, but they just think that's the way it goes. So for me, and it's, obviously it's easier for me to say because it's, it's my reality, girls need fathers too. Girls need to know 
and to be able to have relationships with men that are appropriate and respectful so that when they come and meet other men, they they can have an expectation of how this thing should work. If they've never seen that, then it's no wonder that they can end up in relationships that are completely dysfunctional, but they don't know any different. Girls need fathers too, and fathers you can't disengage from your children, but certainly not from your girls. Sixthly, parenting is about understanding God's design for families and how authority works. Leaving and cleaving, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives, children obey your parents, are all and remain key guidelines that the scripture gives to us. The most important relationship in the life of your child, if you're married, is your marriage relationship. It's the most important relationship. It's not your relationship with your child. It's your relationship with your spouse and your relationship with God. And if those are right, if those function as they're meant to function, then that will function as it's meant to function. One of the biggest challenges of parenting is that we forget that parents have authority over children. And what we often do as parents is we... We take that authority and we put it down and we fight with our kids like, like we're brothers and sisters, like we're siblings. You know, they shout, we shout. They say, no, I'm not doing that. And, then, and we often do that. We often actually put away authority. When God has given parents authority over children, then we need to follow his path. And again, the encouragement to fathers and to husbands, don't abdicate your authority. In the past, the danger was that people would abuse their authority. That isn't so much the danger for many fathers these days, but abdicating is. Abdicating is. Seventh principle, parenting requires you handle, you manage your parents and wider family. The importance of leaving and cleaving cannot be overstated. Successful parenting relies on that couple becoming a couple and then learning to relate as a couple to other to other people to other family members and that's something that we've had to uh, to work through I remember we often tell this story Pauline and I of um, some of the expectations that were around say with my family and um, we hadn't been married very long when our flat when uh, one night it was about 11 p.m there's a there's a knock on the door and um, uh, me being the big, brave husband, I said, my love, I'm there. And I went to the door. No, no, I didn't go to the door. I hoped that there wouldn't be another knock. I hoped that I'd misheard it. But then there was a knock on the window. And it was the window of our bedroom, because our bedroom was on the, on the outside of the house. And I remember then going to the door, big, brave me. I went to the door. And I opened the door, and there was my mum. Yeah? She was there with a cake. And she had just said, oh, I've just come by. It's 11 p.m. I said, Mum, it's 11 p.m. She said, oh, just come by, give you the cake. And uh, when Pauline and I sort of reflected on that and we realised that one of the differences between, say, Pauline's parents and my mum was if we had phoned Pauline's parents after 10 o'clock, it would be because there's an emergency. (laughs) But with my mum or my dad even at that time, a call at 11, 11.30 was just for a chat. It was just life. What's going on? Yeah, you've woken me up. Oh, how's things going? That was how it was. And so we had to learn to manage expectations of family. And we couldn't disengage with that. We had to do it. 
We also knew the importance, and this is something as we've grown in our marriage, to be honest, but we've also known the importance of trying to honour our parents in order that we model that to our children. Yeah? If I have a difficult relationship with my parents, that probably will flow down to my kids. And that relationship will be difficult. So we've always tried and sought to honour our parents. It's partly because we're modelling something. It's partly because it's the right thing to do and we want to do it. But it's also because we're modelling something. That I don't want to put into my children some of the difficulties maybe. I'd rather work through my own difficulties. And then the final principle. Parenting requires constant prayer and trust in God. And uh, we've recognised the need for help to raise our children. We've recognised the need for God's help to raise our children. So we regularly, uh, we're regularly sort of praying for our kids. Um, we're regularly sort of asking God for help. It's one of our most common prayers for our children that they, God would help us. When it comes to my own personal devotion, I'm quite in my home. I'm quite open about that so I don't I don't shut the door and go do not disturb it's not unusual for the girls to sort of come into the room I'm praying um, partly again I'm just modeling something I used to find it very awkward my, when my mum prayed with me but I was very inspired by the fact that my mum prayed I found it awkward when she wanted to pray with us but I loved the fact that she prayed and that was an inspiration to me and so I've intentionally actually lived my own walk with God in a slightly public way. So my girls, it's not unusual for them to come in. I mean, Daisy goes, whoa, Dad. <laughs> I'm there, I'm praying or whatever. Um, she feels a bit embarrassed, I think. Yasmin might come in and say, oh, Dad, can you just pray for me? Yeah, so it works differently for different children. So if I just say what I said right at the beginning, our... Our purpose in parenting is to create an environment in which as our children grow, they feel secure, they feel significant, and they feel a sense of self-worth. And that they are taught, if nothing else, that as you as their parents, you're saying that you can find those things in God. Yeah, That's what you're teaching your children. When your children are very small, knowing what you're trying to do helps you. It helps you. Because you don't feel a failure after six months. Because you realise, oh, this thing isn't to be judged by the first six months of parenting. It's not even to be judged by the first ten years of parenting. That life is not perfect. So you're, no one's going to be a perfect parent. But your parenting can lead to creating those environments. Successful parenting is not where I never make mistakes. It's simply where... My girls can come out of that, that nest. They can come out of the home and they can function, they can thrive in the 21st century and they can have a very clear understanding of who God is and the impact that he has on their lives. And until that point, the jury's out, really. Which means that you don't ever, really, although we sometimes do, you don't ever have to feel a failure as a parent. You don't ever have to feel like, oh no, I've completely blown it. Because actually with God, there's always redemption anyway. There's always that ability to come back to him. Okay, I'm just going to pray.
Father, I come to you, and uh, Lord, I thank you for the privilege of, of, uh, that you've given to me of being a parent. I thank you of the privilege that we have as a church to father and parent those around us, that you put something into this place to help others. And Father, I pray that we will know what it is to father and parent others through the way you have fathered and parented us. And Lord, I pray that for any here who maybe they're struggling with their parenting, that, oh God, they can turn to you and look to you. Because you're the foundation of it all. Father, I ask that you will continue to be with us. I pray your blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.